Thanks for listening to The Issue Podcast. If you like what you hear, be sure to catch our new episodes every Wednesday and Saturday. For more of The Issue and access to our top bets and fantasy updates, then subscribe to The Issue Miked Up. Link is on our website, which can be found in the bio of our Instagram, which is at the underscore issue podcast, and our Twitter, which is just at the issue podcast. New subscription episodes come out every Friday. Guys, thank you so much for listening to The Issue. You are now locked in and listening to The Issue. You look at this schedule. Find me the wins here. Find me the wins. You've got to be delusional if you think he's elite. Well, from what I'm seeing right now, he's a top 10 guy in this league, no doubt. Absolutely, I think they can be for a championship. I I don't even think that's a a debate I'm willing to, to have. This is The Issue. Yo, what's up? We are back. It is Thursday, February 10th, and we have an absolutely loaded show today. Troy Leneve from Vanderbilt comes in in about 10 minutes here. We'll talk to him. Uh, First, we have hits and misses, and guys, welcome in. It is the last week of the NFL Super Bowl week. It is the week that we have basically been waiting for and predicting for all year long. It's it's um it's the summation of a phenomenal football season. We've I, I don't think I've ever seen. First of all, it's the most attention I've paid to a football season um, so far, pretty much in my life. But it is one of the most exciting seasons I remember. Even when my team, the Pittsburgh Steelers, was pretty anemic for seventy percent of the season. Offense Just terrible. From a from a sports standpoint, it has been a phenomenal football season, and uh, this is a pretty good summation. You get yeah. Joe Burrow. Joe Shiesty, Joe Burr. I mean, you get the man himself, Joe Burrow, spelled with an X. Yeah. You know, like he did on that jersey senior day. Anyway, against Matt Stafford, who was in Detroit. Like, I I, I was trying to find a good word to to say before without swearing, right? But it's Detroit. It's Detroit. A horrible franchise, and he finally is on the big stage. I'm so so excited to watch this football game. It's going to be an absolutely amazing matchup. But uh, today on the show, we have hits and misses to start with, like normal. Per um, And then we will get into talking with Troy Leneve, uh, outfielder from Vanderbilt. It's uh, going to be a great conversation with him. I can't wait to you know hear everything he has to say. We have a lot of great questions to ask him, and I'm sure he will give us a lot of great answers. Uh, coming out of that, we will have our new game called GM Genius, where we go through... And we will look at a particular division this week, the AFC South, and um, basically go through team by team, predict the the first three picks of their um, of the draft. So, so the first, usually it's four first four picks, um, and then we'll tell you what their major goal should be for the off season, okay. and then w- what they should draft for depth in the later rounds, right? And then uh, in a couple cases, some free agency, um, I would say, tips. We'll probably do a sec, uh, like a, a second segment, not today, but later in the off season when it comes to what these teams should do free agent wise. But this is mostly draft oriented, yep. um, how to kind of shape their teams going forward. And then obviously coming out of that, we will have in the third segment our Super Bowl picks. We're going to give you winners, MVPs, um, some disappointments that we could see, right? Um, spreads, over unders, score, and your favorite prop bet. So make sure you stay around because uh, if you want to make some money on some kind of fun things, right, um, then, yeah, stick around to the third segment. But we will start like we usually do with our hits and misses, so let's go. Okay, so let's start with coaches. Um, I said, who that was probably about, what was that, Saturday, last episode? Friday or Saturday? Um, it was Saturday. Was it Saturday? So it was Saturday. Um, we predicted the, the next the, the three head coaching vacancies that were remaining, we predicted the head coaches. I said Mike McDaniel to Miami. Um, I, I think the next morning, or was it even later that day, they hire Mike McDaniel. I said that the Saints would promote Dennis Allen, the defensive coordinator, up to head coach. I said it'd be too much change for you to lose a legendary coach like Sean Payton 
and then completely lose the culture by getting a whole entire new coaching staff in when you can just promote the guy who is certainly deserving of being a head coach, Dennis Allen. Promote him, keep a, a similar culture, right? You kind of leadership stays roughly the same. Mm-hmm. You're not changing too much in one offseason because I think that's how you could take a plummet pretty quick, right? We did a segment where we looked at all the coaches or all the teams and how many coaches they've burned through. You look at the 10 most losing franchises, they have like triple the coaches in the last decade than, say, the Steelers, the Packers, the top 10. So I, I like the keeping the same culture there. And then finally, uh, the one that we didn't hit on with the coach was uh, was Houston. I thought they were going to hire Brian Flores. They instead went out and, and uh, promoted Lovey Smith from defensive coordinator up to head coach. I guess I didn't nail that one. Um, and kind of going along with misses here, the Bengals in our preseason rankings, I believe we had them at 3-14 and 14 or 4-13, and 13, somewhere around there, a last place team. What do you know? They are in the Super Bowl. And it wouldn't like floor me if they won. You'll see later on that I don't think that's going to be the case. But it wouldn't like shock me if Joe Burrow went out there, played a phenomenal game. They got pressure on Stafford. He threw a couple picks, and Joe Burrow capitalized. It wouldn't like floor me if they won. But nonetheless, Cincinnati is in the Super Bowl, and they're probably going to be a competitor for the next five to six years, um, at least in the AFC North. They're going to be a tough out. They're going to be a tough two games for Pittsburgh. So uh, Cincinnati. All right, our second hit, aggressive wins. I've, we, I, I've, we've said this forever, right? Tampa went out and got Brady, right? I said, oh, that's, that's really aggressive. Um, L.A. went out and got Justin Herbert, who, yes, he, it was in the draft. It's not like they made a, a big move for him, but they said, you know what? We're going to go get Justin Herbert. And then they were even more aggressive because Anthony Lynn was a pretty good head coach, right? Not great, but he was good enough, right? I don't think he needed to be fired. But they said, you know what? I think we have to maximize potential right now. They go out and get a Brandon Staley, who we see has been a really, really smart coach over this season. Yeah, his fourth down decisions are a little rough, but anyway, the point is aggressive wins, and now look at the Super Bowl. A team who went out, got Joe Burrow, took a risk on Jamar Chase. Zach Taylor was 6-25-1, but they thought they saw some. They took a risk. They were risky. They were aggressive, uh, allowing him to stay for another year, and boom, what what do we get? They're in a Super Bowl. Right. Um, you're, You're looking at, and then on the, on the flip side, L.A. is the epitome of aggressive in the NFL. If you look up aggressive, that that's them in the dictionary. Are you kidding me? Vaughn Miller, OBJ, Matt Stafford. You're basically... that You gave up your next three to four years of first-round picks just for Matt Stafford. Yeah. And what do you know? You're in the Super Bowl. All right, how about a miss? Uh, Houston. I figured Houston would make the smart decision. Hire Brian Flores. He interviewed for the job. He was a finalist for the job. Um, I, I thought it would get Deshaun Watson to think about playing there again um, whenever his the legal aspect of his issues are over. I figured, oh, he wanted to play for Brian Flores in Miami. He could probably want to play for him if he came to Houston. It'd be a good hire. He's a really good head coach. You can almost solve the defense in an offseason or two with Brian Flores. He did it in Miami. And you have Davis Mills, so if Deshaun doesn't come back, it could be worse, I guess. We'll see. Um, but what do you know? They go hire Lovey Smith, who I don't love the hire. Um, I'll grade it right now, live time. I think it's a C minus hire. It, it doesn't wow me. I don't think he's going to be terrible because he's a veteran in this league. He's been able to win with Cincinnati, uh, not, I'm sorry, not Cincinnati, um, the Bears, yeah. who historically haven't had a franchise quarterback. He's been able to win with them. Um, so I, I think there's worse hires, but I don't think it was the correct hire. I think Brian Flores was that guy. I thought they were going to do that, and they didn't. All right, hits the Rams. Uh, we played the box check game going into the playoffs. So we took every playoff team. We said, what are the boxes that each team checks? When it comes down to it, right, it comes down to two heavyweights sitting there swinging punches, right? What boxes do these teams check? And while well, we had LA, the LA Rams checking every single box, it was run game, pass rush, offensive line, quarterback, coach, um, defense. Did they do it? Did Can they do it when it counts? Well, yeah, they went and beat Brady on the road. Um, you beat, you come back from 10 down in the fourth quarter against a team that's owned you, 6-0 in the last six in San Francisco. You come back to beat them because they check every box. Because when push comes to shove, they can get to your quarterback, they can protect theirs, they can run the football, and they have stars. Cooper Cup, OBJ. A lot of them. A lot of stars. Um, so I, we were pretty right with the Rams going into the playoffs. I think I would say I would be surprised during the Super Bowl, but... Because I, I had San Francisco. Um, but I'm not utterly shocked. Like I said, they checked every box. 
All right, misses the Giants. Uh, I said the Giants would be the worst job, and I, I still think it was the worst you know job opening. It was at least up there. I think we had it in the bottom three of the jobs available, if not the bottom two. But I will say they made a really good hire, and I thought they because I thought they were generally incompetent. I will say they made a really good hire in Brian Dable. Um, the the GM is a smart, clever guy. They're making little moves here and there, right? Position group coaches and quarterback coaches to make, to assemble a really good staff. I mean, New York looks at least competent. And if they can draft semi-well and at least figure out the defense through the draft and just let Brian Dable make Daniel Jones average at best on his good days, they can win six games, which for them would be pretty good. And you just keep building. So I, I thought the Giants would be completely incompetent. They're actually showing a little bit of hope. I will say they're showing a little bit of hope. But then again, I predicted them to win 10 games this year. So I guess I said this last year as well. So we'll see what happens with the Giants. But that is hits and misses on a beautiful, beautiful Thursday. We'll get into the weather report per normal at the start of the second segment. But yep. um, for now, let's bring I Troy think I was saying, I'm looking at the time. I, I think Troy's ready to go. So let's bring him on in. Now with us on the phone... We have Troy Lenive Vanderbilt outfielder. You might remember him from seeing that bomb he hit, that walk-off bomb against Kentucky. Uh, very excited to pick his brain and very glad to have him on the show here with us. Uh, Troy, how you doing? I'm good. How are you guys? Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. It's, a, it's an absolute pleasure. I'm having both graduated with you and uh, myself playing that amazing senior season at, uh, at PR for those local people listening. Um, it's great to finally sit down and pick your brain about it. Tell us a little bit about that that Super Regional and that College World Series team. I mean, aside from, obviously, the insane talent. You know, Kumar Rock, Jack, you know, Jack, and uh, and obviously yourself, Enrique Bradfield. Outside of just the talent, what do you think was so special about that team? Yeah, I mean, it was a pretty good uh, – we got pretty hot towards the end of the year. Um, but I would say it was just a really close uh, group of guys. I mean, as the – as the year went on, once we got into playoffs and kind of the temperature of the game started getting a little higher, we got a lot closer. Um, you know, at that time of the year, school's out, and pretty much the only thing we're doing is is playing baseball, and we're around each other pretty much 24-7. So pretty much as as the season, you know, progressed, you know, we got closer as a unit, and it was just a really good group of guys. We had some older guys that were great leaders, guys who have been in that playoff environment before um, and really helped us kind of in that – and that push towards the end um, in the regional, super regional, even in Omaha. And it was just a, it was just a good group of guys that gelled really well towards the end of the year. Right, right. Um, so, so going from high school to college, like I, said, I mentioned, uh, I was playing together in high school. But, I mean, was the gap is, – is, is it a big leap, right? Because I'm sitting here, you know, on my high horse. Oh, I could, I could hit that pitch. I'm watching you play. I'm like, you know what? I, I could do that. I could do that. It, I, I don't think I could. Could I, Troy? How big is the leap? Uh, it's, it is pretty significant. Um, I mean, I would say, you know, coming in and stuff, everybody comes in hot, you know, kind of expecting that, you know, they're going to get the chance to play right away and, you know, they're going to be able to show, you know, their skills and their abilities right away. But I mean, I, I, at some point I would say every freshman at pretty much any level in college baseball, there is a point where, you know, there is a little bit of humbling done. And that definitely was, um, that, that definitely happened to me in my freshman year, I came in and, you know, our first scrimmage where I was facing, you know, a couple of SEC All-Americans, and I was really getting exposed to what that type of that what that level of pitching was really like. And I mean, I was I was humbled, and I understood, you know, how how much this game speeds up at the, at the next level. And you know, I was I was lucky that I was able to kind of realize that, you know, in, in our first scrimmage. So now that so now that you do have. Oof, you know, two two plus seasons under your belt, obviously with the COVID season, but still getting, you know, live ABs and live reps uh, in practice, I'm guessing, as well as in games. Now with your, you know, with all your at-bats against this high-level pitching, what what is your approach like? How has it changed? How has it developed? And you can be as technical as you want. Yeah, I mean, I think once you get to the next level, I think at least in college, I mean, you kind of understand that, you know, trying to hit a home run every single time doesn't really play. Um, and I think that was kind of an approach that I had in, in high school. I mean, I kind of knew that I could have the ability to do some damage pretty much every day at bat. Um, 
but I mean, now, you know, you really have to simplify things. Um, and that's something, you know, I think that definitely helped me kind of progress as a player, as an offensive player. Um, I think, you know, simplifying the bat at bat as much as possible, you know, looking for, you know, one pitch throughout the at bat, uh, that that's definitely been something that's kind of helped me, you know, kind of make my next leap forward, um, in this process, uh, you know, my free two strike approach has kind of, you know, really helped me, you know, move forward as well. But I think simplifying is definitely the biggest thing that a lot of haters, you know, struggle with when they move forward. And that's something that's at least allowed me to have a little bit of success at this level. It's a, it's a tough balance with, you know, doing your doing your work on the on the scouting report because that, that's not simple at all. But then at the end of the day, you got to be able to clear your head and get in there. So, I mean, that, yeah, that, that makes absolutely. sense to me. But uh you did talk about that leap. So going into into the season, you you see any freshmen that are able to kind of make that leap a little easier than some? Some guys that, that are standing out that uh, might be able to get on the field and contribute for you guys, or any any first year starters that stick out? Yeah, I mean, I think every class that comes in, everybody's process is a little different. Um, you know, each year there's guys that come in, and you know they they are a little more you know ahead of some other guys. I think that's kind of you know now that this is my you know, third time seeing a freshman class, um, you know, come in, including the one that I was in. And there's definitely some guys that come in and they're a little more, um, I would say, a little more advanced in, in the way that they approach the game. And then some other guys, it takes them, you know, a year or two to kind of get it, get it under their belt. Um, and, yeah, I mean, this year we have a couple pitchers that are definitely going to be big impact guys for us. Um, Carter Holton, he's a left-handed pitcher. You know, he definitely is going to be – you know, one of the one of the better pitchers in this league for sure. Um, and yeah, we have a couple freshmen that definitely are going to be in some some pretty big impact guys, um, both from California. Davis Diaz and, and, and Matthew Polk are going to be big guys for us. Um, but yeah, I mean, everybody kind of finds it eventually. You know, for some guys, it happens on day one, and, and other guys, it takes two to three years. Um, but you know, it's just that everybody else has their own uh, – everybody has their own process, and that's definitely something that I kind of been picking up on year after year here. Right. I mean, Tim Tim, Tim Corbin's obviously a great coach. Going to be, I, I mean, for sure in the, in whatever Hall of Fame he can get into. I don't know if it's the pro baseball, if college baseball is a separate, whatever. He'll be a Hall of Famer, no doubt. But is there – obviously, strategically, he's great. But also, more personally, what does he do to keep that locker room running at such a high level? I mean – just a competitive top 10 program for, I, I mean, it seems like the last decade or two. The reputation of Vanderbilt baseball. Yeah. Um, I would say he's very personable. I mean, he knows, you know, he knows everything about us. Um, you know, he really puts in the effort to get to know us, and that's something that kind of goes a long way, you know, especially as a freshman. I remember coming in and, you know, I was I was nervous about how those relationships were going to progress as, you know, going from a recruit to – a player on the team and um, it was smooth that's that's pretty much the only thing I can say about it is a smooth transition because he does uh, make it you know one of his focal points is that you know he wants to be you know he wants to have a relationship with his players and I think you know that's that's not always common with a lot of teams especially at you know high levels um, and I, I think that's something that he does very well and you know I, I, I reflect on that a lot and definitely um, makes it kind of reassures that I made the right decision. Right. All right. All right. I need an official answer here. Who would you least like to face if they are humming, they're on their game, you know, Jack's no hitter, Kumar Rogers, no hitter. Who do you not want to face uh, more Kumar or Jack? Uh, that's a, that's a quite, that's a good question. I mean, I've had that, I've had this question a lot and I've never been able to legitimately give a straight answer because they're both, absolute dogs i mean their um you know competitive mentality is is unmatched and that's kind of why they're at the level that they're at and you know they're they're both going to be you know future big leaguers and i mean i don't know i mean you can't really you can't really you know they're two very different pitchers at the same time they're um they're both they're both at that level that is you know they are at times untouchable and um you know if they're both on their a game you know i'm out no matter what so i <laughs> I don't really know who I'm going for with that one. I'm just going to say both because they're both my boys and um, and they're both, you know, some of the best pitchers I've ever faced and probably will ever face. All right, all right. Maybe you, didn't, you can confirm this. Then I see 
Jack Leader, to me, looks like he can command his fastball a little bit better, but I think Kumar Rocker has a better slider. Is that fair? Yeah, I would say that's probably fair. I'd say when, when both of their stuff is on and, and, and Jack Jack's fastball plays, um, the, the spin right on that fastball kind of, he plays – Nasty. Plays hotter than any other fastball I've ever seen. Um, I, I don't really, I can't really compare it to anybody else's. Um, but I mean, Kumar's Kumar slider is definitely a wipeout pitch. I mean, it's, especially you know if, if he has you down on the count, you know, and he and he's on his A game, that's you know you're not getting on base. Right. Um, so I we mentioned obviously uh, you you were a, a pretty big contributor, especially later in the year. Um, for that run you guys had last year, you're obviously going into this season looking to stay a contributor, stay in that lineup. Uh, so, so what is your offseason consisted of, both skill wise, right, you're working on base running or, or hitting, fielding, whatever, and then also training wise? Have you had a goal in the uh, in the weight room this offseason? Yeah, I mean, there's always always kind of new goals throughout the throughout the season, throughout the offseason. Um, you know, my kind of attribute as a player is, you know, I have I have a little bit of power, um, and you know. I think the biggest thing this offseason, just kind of continuing to work and, and tap into that power and work on my timing, um, trying to be as consistent as possible um, and stay as athletic as possible. I think that's kind of one of my swings at my best. But you know, the other two things, was, it was more just kind of a, an offseason to focus on kind of approach. Um, you know, focusing on approach is kind of the biggest thing that can really help me kind of move forward. Um, in the weight room, yeah, I mean, just always trying to get stronger. I mean, there's never really – a time where you know not trying to get stronger or faster or be you know in shape so that's always kind of move, kind of moving forward with that makes total sense uh so so going looking at this team um this year obviously it's great with the success uh, in the past but that that's that's in the past you got to go in the future now this team in specific what do you see that are going to be some absolute strengths of the team where you're like oh we're definitely not going to lose because of blank and then what are some weaknesses where you're like yeah, we might have to keep our eye on that and we're gonna to have to shore that up as the season goes on with some experience yeah i would say our offense is pretty experienced this year you know you, you take our team from last year to this year you know we're only losing about you know, we're losing really two um you know everyday starters um and our offense and stuff and you take last year we were one of the youngest offenses in the country you know we had pretty much an entire lineup made up of guys who really had never played in the sec and now you have an entire lineup that has one year under their belt and, and an entire lineup who has um you know been to omaha and, and played in front of those types of crowds i think that's probably our biggest strength i think our, our offensive ability is definitely going to be pretty strong this year you know if everybody's on and everybody's healthy i think that's definitely going to be something that's going to help us kind of continue to be um can continue to have success um pitching is going to be good too i mean we have a lot of returners we have some good leaders um you know with nick maldonado back pat riley's back um you know i think we're going to have some young guys that are going to step up and do a lot for us too this year um I'm not really going to you know, pick on a weakness. I think we definitely have a lot of strengths that are definitely going to help us be pretty successful throughout this year. Absolutely. Uh, so the, the feeling in the building. Guys, we win it all or what? Am I, am I coming to Omaha uh, this time? You're buying tickets? <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's obviously the end goal. I think every day, um, you know, we have that in mind for sure. But I think, you know, we show up to the, we show up to the field every day and it's a pretty consistent um, – mindset we show up we, we understand that you know yesterday is behind us and today's a new day just to kind of get better um that that's something that's kind of um been the vibes for the for the three years that i've been here um and i think just continuing to keep that is something that's super important one it doesn't doesn't allow us to really get ahead of ourselves we obviously know we have that capability um and and obviously that's the end goal but ultimately you know what we're trying to do is just pretty much get better you know get better if we get better today better than we were we were yesterday and then we keep stacking those up and obviously at the end of the day at the end of the season we're going to be exactly where we want to be all right Troy. a couple fun questions it's been awesome to pick your brain but uh, a couple you know fun questions here uh vanderbilt uniforms are, are notorious what's your favorite combo oh that's a good one we yeah wow uh, I would say probably the USA's. Yeah, USA's. That's, that's what I guess. That's what I guess. Yeah, I, I love those ones, man. The, the way that those they fit, they're uh, yeah, they're they're definitely my favorite jerseys. I think when I was 
coming up when I committed and I was a, uh, I was a recruit. The black jerseys were kind of the ones that I kind of, you know, I, I, I couldn't wait to get on. But once I put on the green jerseys and, and was really able to, to play in them, I, you know, I kind of fell in love with them. Obviously, I haven't been to a game, nor have I played in a game as a Vanderbilt player, but I'm guessing the vibes also when you're when you're wearing those jerseys. It's Sunday. It's usually sunny down there, packed stadium. Uh, and then just it being USA, probably the pride of it probably contributes to that as well. Am I right? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, we have – we have a good fan base, and, I mean, we have a good group of guys every year. I know every time we, we lace up, every time we put the jerseys on, you know, it's, you know, everybody's happy. You know, it's, it's, it's just a good place to be. I mean, it's a good location, and, I mean, we have we, – we definitely – the vibes are definitely good on game day, and, um, you know, we're definitely going to have another, another good team this year that's going to continue that. All right, and finally, who are you having the Super Bowl this Sunday? You going? You rocking with Joey B, or are you going with the uh, Matt Stafford comeback story, kind of resurrecting his career? What, what path? What, who do you like winning? You know, I I like Joey B. I really do. <laughs> I, I, honestly, I I think he probably has a chance. I think he. Uh, I, I I would probably take him. I would probably bet on him, but. I really want to see Stafford win, A, because, you know, he deserves it. He's been in the league for a long time. He's really – I think he really deserves one. And, two, because I'm a Steelers fan. I'm not going to root for the Bengals. There we yeah, go. Can, there can, we that's, go. That's not going to happen. That's just not going to be a thing that I'm, I'm not going to I'm – I'm not going to go say that I'm rooting for the Bengals. But, you know, I obviously I, I'm, I'm just hoping for a good game. I want Stafford to win, though, ultimately. All right. Well, I like it. I think you line up with my picks. And uh, we really appreciate you coming on, Troy. <laughs> Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. Thank you for having me. I, I've uh, I've really enjoyed listening to you guys. Uh, thank you very much. We really appreciate yeah, that. Of course. All right, bro. Thanks, man. Thank you. Tim from The Issue here. We'll talk to you a little bit about Phoenix Supplements, spelled F-N-X, pronounced Phoenix. Just ordered some. I got some coming in the mail. Go get your creatines. Go get your glutamines. Anything that you need to achieve your fitness goal is available on phoenix.com. Use the code tj2022 they make great gifts as well go out check it out order all phoenix stuff phoenix.com and use the code tj2022 all right people how about that interview that was great i mean my god welcome back segment two thursday february 10th uh, weather report, bit of a dusting outside, but it's uh, it's actually pretty decent. A little bit of sun, kind of not not warm, but not as cold as it could be in February, right? Yeah, I mean, I'll take it. It's February, so as long as it's not in the teens to, to single digits, I'm happy. It's pretty much we're, a win. Yeah. in the 20s, even low 30s, so uh, life could be could be worse. But my God, how about that interview? Uh, so, so back to back, we have Matt Wood, who's a high-level baseball player at, at Penn State, uh, number one ranked catcher in the Big Ten, and then this episode, Troy Laneve, who is a uber competitive gonna contribute could even start a lot of games for Vanderbilt in the outfield did last year hit a home run in the regional Mm -hmm. 468 foot home run mind you super talented player in the SEC for Vanderbilt uh just joined us so hopefully hopefully you listen to that I feel like if you're here you probably listen to that um and god that was so good it was I mean you you can just tell when you're talking to him you're like oh that that's probably why that they're so good because you can just hear in the way they talk, they're first of all the confidence, right? The the articulation. They're they're smart people. They know what they're doing, um, and they, they train smart too. We're talking to Troy. There's two ways to kind of train in your off season, and we saw both of them. For example, Matt Wood said he wanted to get a little bit better with speed and base running, right? Because that's kind of his weakness. So you could either go slightly more well-rounded, I guess you could say, or you could just double down on what you're already good at and just keep cranking dangers because it's been working for Troy, right? So he's there's two kind of approaches. It's like, what is my worst weakness? We're going to nail that all offseason. Or it's like, hey, what am I really good at? And let's just keep building on it. Yeah, I think but there's a point. You have to do both at some point, but what your main focus is for Troy, his was, hey, I'm really good at hitting for power, and if I can keep doing that consistently – I have a really good chance to to start every single day without a doubt, be an absolute staple. Because yeah. right now he should be in the lineup, and he most likely will. But he's he's going to work his way into a staple staple role where it's not even a question an All American status. I think if he can get that that power consistent, like he was talking about. I mean, we've seen him do it for so long. We grew up with him. I mean, right. he's been he's been hitting for power since what like 
six he was you. like, I, I mean, I was on his what, 10-year-old baseball team. The kid was raking. I, I mean, Absolute, uh, just a stellar athlete. Super talented um, guy. Said he liked the uh, the USA Vandy jerseys the best. So, I, I mean, he's a patriotic fella. I can respect it. Yeah. Absolutely. They're my favorite combination as well. The ones that are kind of like Army green looking. Yeah, I was going to say he obviously knows how to put together a uniform. I mean, that's probably one of the best. He's so. got the swag. Um, and he said he likes the Rams in the Super Bowl, which, like I said, third segment, we're going to get to that. I, I, I'm not going to give away our picks yet, but I, mean, like, I you, like you, what he said. Right, right. Um, but, yeah, so, so let's get into our – kind of a game here like you said it's called you uh, came up with the name gm genius yeah yes? gm genius um perfect so gm genius so we're gonna go through almost like we do our predictions in the preseason we go division by division because we're gonna go team by team that just i we don't have 32 weeks to sit here and do that that's that's more than half the year right um so we're gonna go division by division we're gonna go four teams right uh and this week we're gonna start with the afc south we're gonna give you what their draft pick should be their first four because i think the per- first four you your talent evaluation is more important. Yes, it is in the sixth and seventh round. You can still find gems there. It's also more of like a. I mean, like I saw some footage on him. I let's go for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. More risk taking, more kind of taking a chance per se, rolling the dice, if you will, right? And look, I'm a full time student. I'm not going to sit here and look at seven round mock drafts um, from seventeen different websites. Go look at the rankings from a bunch of. I mean, come on. I, I'm, I'm to predict a seventh round linebacker out of Western Michigan State. Right, we got what's to the Jaguars. Here. I mean, yeah. come on now. Right. And then we'll give you um, a major goal for the season, right? So let's start with the Jaguars. Starting off, I think you should hire Matt Nagy as your offense coordinator. I know you might think it's crazy. Oh, wait, he, he didn't do anything in in uh, in Chicago, right? Look how that ended. Well, I'm not asking him to be a head coach and a leader of men because I think that's where he there may have been some issues, right? He lost the yeah. locker room a little bit. He's a really clever play call, play designer. He got Mitch Trubisky to the playoffs. I mean, let's say that again. He got Mitch Trubisky to the playoffs. Um, he, he's won with quarterbacks that haven't necessarily been ideal, and his offenses have always been at least competent, um, especially with a, a horrific offensive line. I think he's a clever he's a clever mind, and if you bring him in as an offensive coordinator, you can just let him do his thing when it comes to X's and O's. You're not asking him to be a big leader of men. Doug Peterson's a really good leader, so he can take that over. Matt Nagy can just go back to being a genius, and he's going to need a job, and he's going to want another crack at a head coaching job, and I think he understands the way to do it is to be a really good coordinator first. Yeah. So Matt Nagy. And then the first draft pick, I'd go draft Evan Neal, the tackle from Alabama. Uh, I say it all the time. Find your quarterback, protect him, and get somebody to get their quarterback. Um, I've kind of evolved it a little bit, saying that you need weapons for him. And we'll get to that. The the draft is producing so many good wide receivers. I don't think you need to take one first. Um, But Evan Neal's an all-time prospect from the tackle position. I think he's probably about a top 10 tackle prospect, at least of the last decade to decade and a half. Um, Some of the scouts are saying, so I'd draft Evan Neal first. Second, um, with a 33rd overall pick, I'd go get Josh Pascal. He's an edge rusher from UK, um, Kentucky. So that satisfies the whole get their quarterback thing, right? Right. And he's more of a physical Miles Garrett-style player where he's more of an edge um, slash defensive end position. A little bit too big for like a linebacker position. And he can stop the run. He can get to the quarterback. He's a freak athlete, and he's he's pretty big guy. Um, so I'd go with Josh Pascal out of UK with a 33rd overall pick. Um, in the okay with the 65th overall pick, I'd go get him another wide receiver. I think Justin Ross should still be on the board. Justin Ross from Clemson, his former teammate, he fell a little bit because he had a, I believe, a, a heart condition. It's something that he had to take off of football from. Came back this past year, was pretty productive, and I think if you reunite him with Trevor Lawrence, he'd be a really good pickup. He's a big, tall receiver. Go make contested catches. Um, and so I like Justin Ross reuniting with Trevor Lawrence at the 65th overall pick. And to round out the top four, uh, I do get Josh Joby. Um, he's a DB from Alabama with the 70th overall pick. I think you, you don't want Trevor Lawrence winning shootouts, so if you can kind of sure up the back end of your defense a little bit, even if he's a depth rotational piece for a year or two, I think it'd be a wise decision. You don't want him winning shootouts. Yeah. Um, you, you If he can score 30 and win, that'd be ideal instead of 40, um, like some of these young quarterbacks have to. The rest of the draft, I'd go get, I'd go get depth. 
I'd go get depth on the offensive line. I'd get some more weapons. Uh, you, you can get a good wide receiver in the fifth round. I mean, the draft is producing 26 of them a year that are competitive. I'd go get a, a wide receiver and a tight end position is also becoming similar to the wide opposition where you can get a lot of good ones late in late rounds. So I'd go get um, some offensive line depth, weapons, and tight end. And you have a lot of cap space. You gotta go get a. You gotta go get a stud receiver. I don't know if OBJ wants to go to Jacksonville, and I doubt he does. But there's got to be another wide receiver out there. I mean, Devonte Adams is going to be a free agent. I don't know how much money you have to throw at him. I, I I don't know what you have to do. But would it be worth it? I think so. You got to go get a stud. Yeah, you have to get a weapon for for Trevor Lawrence. I, I mean, mean you, you have the most cap room in the league, so you have money to spend. You can't let one of the best quarterback prospects of all time throw to lawn furniture. You can't. You, right. you have to go get somebody that's viable, that's going to be that stud guy to be the number one receiver so, so that you can follow through. Call me crazy. I don't know what the, the most, the biggest uh, wide receiver contract is per year, but whatever it is, so right now, historically in NFL, like in history, what's the largest per year salary that a wide receiver's got? Would you mind adding $10 million to it and offering it to Devontae Adams for four years? If I was Jacksonville, no. See, like I wouldn't. Like I wouldn't mind overpaying dramatically for Devontae Adams because I know... He is going to be a stud. He's going to be open. And he's going to be a guy that Trevor Lawrence can rely on for the remainder of that contract. And not just that, but somebody who's going to lead a wide receiver room and help build your number two and help build your number three. I know that it sounds nuts, but I would pay Devontae Adams $20 million a year for the next at least two to three. Even yeah. if you front load the contract, say, Devontae, we'll give you $20 million for the next two years and then 15 for the last two. Mm. I'd do it in a heartbeat. Yeah. I'd do it in a heartbeat. Um, okay, and then the, their major goal, though, should be make Trevor Lawrence work. None, none of this matters. Evan Neal could be a really good tackle if Trevor Lawrence isn't a good isn't a good quarterback. If he's not a better quarterback a year from now than he is today, then I don't think Jacksonville's going anywhere. If he is a significantly better quarterback than he was this past season, which I mean he had a bad year, so that that's definitely doable. Then they are in a much better spot than they are right now. I think your major goal should be to make Trevor Lawrence work because we see you can't do much without a good quarterback. Yeah, there's a reason Joe Burrow and Matt Stafford are in the Super Bowl. Oh yeah. Okay, let's go to Houston. For Houston, so they have the third overall pick. I'm going to get Kayvon Thibodeau. Um, I think he's the, he's the edge rusher from Oregon. He's a freak of nature. I think he's about six four two, probably mid to upper two, something like that. He's a beast. Um, I. I like him a little bit better than Aiden Hutchinson. I think Aiden Hutchinson is still going to be a really, really good pro. But I think the upside on Thibodeau is better because I think he's a bigger, stronger, quicker athlete. Um, But I think he's not quite as refined when it comes to technique as an Aiden Hutchinson. But I'd go for the upside here because you're not in a win-now mode anyway. right? Houston's not in a win-now anyway. So if he's developing and he's still really talented but kind of still finding his way for a year or two, does it matter? You're not in a Super Bowl window anyway. Right, so you go get Thibodeau, let him develop for a year. He'll be a beast. I'd go get him instead of Hutchinson at the third overall. At 37th overall, I'd go get the DB Darion Kendrick from Georgia. He was actually the Orange Bowl MVP this past year in the semifinal of college football. That's a really, really high-level football, and he rose to the occasion. I think that's a guy you want on your team. Point blank. Look, Deshaun Watson coming out of the draft was not the, the, the prettiest thrower of the football. He wasn't the most accurate. He wasn't the most athletic. But you know what he did? He won on the biggest stage. So I think you got to go get a guy that knows how to win. I'd go with Darion Kendrick from Georgia at the 37th overall pick. All right, tackle. I'd, or I'm sorry, 68th overall pick. I'd draft the tackle. Nicholas Petit-Friere, I think I'm saying it right. He's tackle out of Ohio State. Again, big program, knows how to win. Ohio State's had a really good offensive line the last, you know, I, I, couple years, right? They've been able to run the football, protect their quarterback. I, I think he's a good piece. I'd go with uh, with him at, at 68. And then finally, at the 80th slot, wide receiver Christian Watson. He's from North Dakota State. Now, I know it sounds weird because you're like, how do you even know that guy exists? I was looking at all the boards, and I'm, th- I'm sitting there scrolling, and I go, oh, wait, he's what, 6'4", 2-something? Here he is. He's 6'5", 2'11", and runs a 4'3", 8". That's insane. That is nuts. That's, that's, that shouldn't be fair. That's Hopkins. That's A.J. Green in his prime. That's uh, Julio Jones-level stuff. Right? That's Julio, but add an inch or two. I can already I mean, see that the, is, the Moss catches just over top of people. That is Randy Moss. I mean, that is Randy Moss. Randy Moss went to a small school, was a freak athlete. Christian Watson, I think, could be really, really good. I mean, he's a big player receiver. He averaged 17 yards a reception. Wow. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, and then the rest of the draft, 
I would just take the most freak athlete available at the time and I'd just draft them and figure it out later. I mean, honestly, they are just devoid of talent and they, they're not in a win now, like I said, so who cares if you have some bit of erratic, unrefined talent? At, you have time to refine. I would just go get guys that are wow talent guys. Even in the fifth round where it's like, yeah, he slid because he's not as refined, but wow, he can you know, really catch or something like that. Mm-hmm. I would go get talent. And finally, in uh, in their major goal, I would move on from Deshaun Watson. I would take any package of first-round pick, whether it's one, two. If you can get more, obviously go for it. But if it's one and a really good player, I'd take it now. I'd take it now when I'd run, and I'd move on from Deshaun Watson. At this point, you got to go get it, – it's time to move on. If he if he says he doesn't want to play after this season, it's time to take whatever, whatever package you can get, move on from Deshaun Watson, and be good enough to compete and build a culture like Miami with Brian Flores – um, but bad enough to draft a quarterback. Go get yourself a Bryce Young. Go get yourself a C.J. Stroud next year. It's a good quarterback draft class. That would be my my plan ahead for Houston. I mean, I like it. They need it. I think they, so. they just need, think so. they need guys. They, they need, need talent. talent. Um, okay, Indianapolis. Uh, so they have no first-round pick. That was going to, I believe, Philadelphia for the Carson Wentz trade. Mm-hmm. Okay, so for their first overall pick, their first. It's a second-round 42nd overall. I think they should go get Desmond Ritter, that quarterback from Cincinnati. I think he's going to fall in the draft. I've not really seen or heard anybody talking about him as a first-round draft quarterback. But the talent's there. Like I said with Houston, go get a guy who might be unrefined but really talented. That's kind of the situation with Indianapolis. I don't think Wentz is the the answer going forward. His contract is up in a year or two. So you go get Desmond Ritter. Let him sit for a year because he definitely has to sit. For sure unrefined, but I watched the film. I did a full draft analysis on him. I had a second to third round grade on him. And I said, the talent's there. I mean, he's athletic. He can move. He's got a strong arm. It's not out of this world, but it's definitely top 20% arm. Um, He can make a lot of good throws. He's accurate enough, but sometimes his footwork gets sloppy. He makes bad decisions. But he can sit for a year. I'd go get Desmond Ritter. Secondly, I'd go get Sky Moore. He is a wide receiver out of Western Michigan. Actually, Whippeal guy went to Shadyside Academy. He's a wide receiver out of, like I said, Western Michigan. Super athletic. Not a very big guy. Not a very big guy. He's, mm, we'll go with, like, I think he's 5'10", might be listed as 5'11". They sometimes tend to be generous. Yeah. You know, probably about a buck eighty-five. Moves really, really well. Quick guy. Uh, he played quarterback in high school, so not a gadget guy, but he has a little bit of versatility in him, right? He's just he's just a really, really good athlete. Yeah. And uh, they already have Michael Pittman, who's a big physical possession-type receiver. So now you need the speed. You need the what T.Y. Hilton was four years ago for you, right? What T.Y. Hilton was to Andrew Luck, you need that guy for the next seven, eight years. And then finally, I'd go get a tight end, Cade Orton, out of Washington uh, with 119th overall pick. Look, you, uh, this team doesn't have a lot of weaknesses. That's a top 10 defense. That's a top 10 offensive line. You have the running back solved. If you go get Sky Moore, you have the, the wide receiver room pretty much filled up for now. You can add depth later in the draft. What you need is a big tight end now. Mo Cox and uh, I don't even remember their other tight end isn't going to do it, right? You need you need to go get a big tight end presence, and uh, that that's Kate Orton to me. Well, the nice seat that Indianapolis is in is they have um, the talent already there. They have the, the framework built. They just have to go and get specific pieces now. They have to just sit back, evaluate and assess everything that they have currently, and just look at the little tiny pieces and get those pieces right. And this is a team that's going to cons- uh, contend for an AFC championship, I think, in the next... I could very well see it happening in three years, two I, to three years. I, I completely agree. I don't think Wentz is that guy, but I do think Wentz could win him a playoff game Yeah. in the meantime, right? Um, okay, and then for the rest of the draft, I would go probably get some depth in the offensive line. You saw at the beginning of the year when their line was kind of banged up. They weren't able to run the football, and Wentz was under pressure and made bad decisions. So what you need to do is you need to go get some depth that you feel comfortable in that if they have to play for a game or two, you're not. it's not the end of the world because it was for the first couple games there in Indy. Um, and then go get some weapons, like I said, and, and later in the draft. The wide, the, well, the wide receivers in the draft nowadays are insane. Go get some of them. Um, and so their overarching goal, I think, given this plan, should be to develop Ritter while Wentz shows up and competes for his next job. Right? We've seen this happen. Aaron Rodgers, they go get Jordan Love, MVP. Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco, they go get Trey Lance. He has a career year and leads him to another NFC Championship game. 
So it's never a bad thing to bring in competition for Carson Wentz. Yeah, if he can't handle it to this point in his career, that's on him. He needs to be a pro. Okay, he needs to come in and say, look, yeah, maybe I am not the future in Indianapolis, but if I show out, I can go get a, a pretty decent contract somewhere else. So I think Wentz goes, plays for his job, plays pretty well, is able to have um, Desmond Ritter kind of in, in the waiting, right, to develop. Jonathan Taylor's still going to be good. You're still going to have a good defense. You're going to be competitive. That's my plan for Indianapolis. What do you think about the Ritter thing? Think it's a good idea? I mean, I think it's interesting. Um, especially coming from a smaller school like that, Cincinnati, a little less proven. He would definitely, like you uh, said, need to sit for a year, need to learn. Um, I think it would take him a little longer with the system, just getting adjusted to an NFL speed, not coming from a Power 5 school. Right. You know? Um but he was electric at Cincinnati, and, and the things he did really good player with the talent that he had around him against Set some records of the teams. there. Yeah, um, so I, he definitely deserves a shot, and I think Indianapolis would make a lot of sense too. He wouldn't even have to relocate it all it's that really, far. It's a really good situation. It's like a four-hour drive from Cincinnati. To me, it feels a lot like uh, Mahomes to KC when Alex Smith was still there, and I don't think. Carson Wentz is as good of a mentor and as good of like a veteran quarterback as Alex Smith, but I, I do think he's been around the league a lot. That roster's ready to win now. If you can let this super talented but unrefined guy sit for a year and he can pop in that year too, like Mahomes did, mm-hmm. and I'm not calling Ritter Mahomes, but I, I do see that it's a possibility if he pans out. Now yeah. it's a big if, and statistically it won't happen, but it could happen, and I I, I can. It wouldn't floor me. It wouldn't shock me. All right, Tennessee, the division winner. Let's see what they can do to improve and stay there. I haven't taken a tackle. Uh, Travis Penning from uh, Northern Iowa, I believe, or Northern Illinois. I think it's Iowa um, with the 26th overall pick. I've been seeing some footage from him from the Senior Bowl. He's dominating dudes. I mean, pancaking them. Uh, he's able to to pass protect really, really well. He's a big guy, too, but he's really light on his feet. Um, and also, I think... No matter what, whether it's Tannehill or whether you bring in a young quarterback. So Tannehill's kind of limited, right? So he needs pieces around him, right? You can't just have Tannehill running for his life. He's not that talented, right? You need to have a good he needs to have good protection, like most quarterbacks, but it's more similar to like a Jared Goff and a Jimmy G, right? Those aren't guys that can kind of get away with a subpar offensive line. You gotta have a good offensive line. They have to have time to sit back there and throw. So I think if that's who you're gonna build around, which they said they will. Then that you got to you got to build around them. Then you got to you got to double down on what you just said. So go get Travis Penning. At number two, I'd go get uh, Alec Pierce. He's a wide receiver from Cincinnati. At the 90th overall slot, he's also a big kid. I'm looking at him right now. He's 6'3", 208, runs a four three nine forty. Wow. So he's moving. He's a big guy. He's got good hands. I watched a lot of Desmond Ritter film, like I said. So naturally, I saw a lot of Alec Pierce film as well because he was his top target. He's a good player. He's a really good player. I'm um, at number three. I would go, or their, their third move um, at the 129th overall pick. I'd go get Jeremy Ruckert. He's a tight end from Ohio State, so he's been in the big games. He's not. He'll be more NFL ready. Is the ceiling a little bit lower? Yeah, he's not a super freak athlete. But he's a big guy. He can move bodies in the run game, similar to a George Kittle, although he's not quite as athletic and good, obviously, as George Kittle. Um, but he can he can run block. He's a tall red zone target, kind of like a Fryermuth for the Steelers this past year. Also a Big Ten tight end, by the way, who they produce tight ends like no other conference. Um, so I think that's a solid pick uh, for the Titans there. That's kind of their weakness on offense. And finally, go draft yourself James Ben Ben P. I believe I'm pronouncing that right, or Bimpe. I, I I think that's right. He, anyway, he's a center from BYU. I, that, that's just depth for me, honestly. That's kind of going back to the whole you got to protect uh, Tannehill. And even if you don't, you're not going with Tannehill in a year or two, you got to protect a young quarterback. And that's, that's good depth on your offensive line. We saw him get hurt a little bit on the offensive line towards the mid part of the season, and it wasn't great. Um, so I'd say just go get that. that that's mostly depth. Um, and then the rest of the draft, I'd go get some linebackers. That, that'd probably be my next pick. And you could argue me into taking Devin Lloyd, the, the Utah linebacker, if he's available at 26 instead of Travis Penning because he's a freak athlete. But I would go get linebackers in the rest of the draft. And to finish it up, their overarching major goal should really just continue being competitive and think about a quarterback upgrade. I mean, at this point, what, what more do they have to build on? They had a top 10 defense. Mm-hmm. Their wide receiving group, their wide receiver group is certainly competent with AJ Brown. Yep. If you add Jeremy Ruckert, you have a decent tight end room. 
and and you have Derrick Henry. You have a really good coach. I mean, maybe get some more firepower on offense, but there's not a whole lot they can do outside of upgrade quarterback that's going to take them to the next level. I mean, they were the one seed. So unless you're upgrading a quarterback, I don't see anything that's going to elevate you above a one seed, right? I mean, we've seen Tannehill win playoff games, so I'm not sitting here saying, like, oh, he's the reason you lost in the first round. Or um, the the divisional round. I guess technically because the three picks, but he's good enough to win you playoff games. I don't know. What Uh, do you think? I completely agree. It's just a weird thing. Like you said, I mean, like, Tannehill got them to a first seed. They were a one seed in the AFC. Let's keep that in mind. That's with uh, Justin Herbert. That's with Josh Allen. That's with Patrick Mahomes. That's with all these guys in the same in the same conference. Joe He's Burrow. a one seed. Yeah, Joe, Joe Shiesty. But at the end of the day, he throws three interceptions in a divisional round game, and uh, it's quite uh, inexcusable. And I think if you're trying, if you're super serious about winning a Super Bowl, like soon i don't think that ryan Tannehill is going to be the guy that's going to get that done he just doesn't seem like a super bowl winning quarterback to me so i'm going to say it they kind of feel like minnesota right when they got Kirk cousins where it's like they were super competitive kind of on the verge of going to the next level where you're talking a top three to four yeah. team in the conference because mm-hmm. i think right now nobody would view them above kansas city buffalo probably not obviously not the Bengals right now i wouldn't with the patriots being at least competitive again. I'm not sure I'd view them above them. I think the Colts are a better team right now. So you have to ask yourself, is is Kirk Cousins look at like is it is Tannehill closer to Kirk Cousins than say look at the guys in the Super Bowl, Joe Burrow or, or Ryan or uh, Matt Stafford? Yes, Ryan Tannehill's closer to Kirk Cousins. Okay, then look, do we want to be closer to where Kirk Cousins is at, or do we want to be closer to where the Super Bowl quarterbacks are at? The Super Bowl quarterback. That's the move. They got to get special quarterback. So I would think about upgrading if I was them. But that's all we have for the second segment. Come back. We will have our Super Bowl predictions, and I will tell you exactly why the Rams are going to win. Hey guys, it's Luke here from The Issue. Doing the podcast, we want equipment that works just as hard as we do. That's why we chose Rockville Audio when we thought to build the studio. We got our microphones boomsticks, a mixer, headphones, audio cables, everything from rockvilleaudio.com. They have way more than that. They have stuff for your car, for boats, lighting, audio, everything you could possibly need. Find it at rockville.com. They are awesome. Go check it out. That is rockville.com. What's up? We are back. Third segment of the issue here on a Thursday. Great so far. Um, Troy Laniv was in earlier. A great like 15 minute conversation. Um, one of the best interviews, you know, that I can remember. Him and Matt would have been fantastic back to back episodes. If you haven't listened to both, well, you've listened to this one. Go listen to Matt Wood if you haven't. Yeah, he he was awesome. Like again. Listen as far you listen to Troy, both of them super articulate, super smart guys. Yeah, know their baseball. Um, when Troy's talking about like uh, they get approach and and uh, leader and Kumar and their sliders and the, a little bit of their differences, right? Really, really smart guys. So uh, yeah, it was a good interview. And we absolutely have, and we have some great guests coming up too. Um, you know, we have been just booking them up recently. We have Eric Kasparovich, uh, coach of head coach. Former head coach of Pine Richland High School football, and is now a, an assistant at Pitt football, um, as in like Pitt University, like big time, big boy football stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's a really, really smart coach. Um, so I'm really excited to pick his brain. It'll be post Super Bowl too, so it's gonna be really cool to hear a little bit of what he thinks schematically how the Super Bowl went, and, especially uh, with these two young coaches that are in it this year. And that's really what we're gonna be talking about all segment long. We got our Super Bowl predictions, prop bets. So I mean, let's just hop right into it. All right, uh, I think we should probably start with winner. Let's just, let's start let's start there. We both like the Rams. Um, I'm gonna tell you exactly why I like the Rams. Yeah, Joe Burrow's got big game experience. I'm not doubting that at all. But a lot of it's in college. I understand he's had a really good playoff run and all the in the only real chance he's gotten, right? I understand that he is more than equipped, and I don't think he's going to be overwhelmed. But I, I do think Matt Stafford is going to be a little bit better because he's been there. I think that's what it's going to come down to. And I will say, you'll see when we get to my disappointments, I, I, I do think that there's going to be a pretty pretty large coaching advantage here. Yeah, Sean McVay's been there, and he's been 
Zach Taylor before. Zach Taylor's going against McVeigh, who's generally known as a genius. Let's rewind to McVeigh in his early stage of his career going against, oh, I don't know, Bill Belichick. Now, I'm not saying McVeigh is Belichick, but he's really, really smart. He's really, really smart. And it, it, it's tough to sit here and be like, oh, yeah, McVeigh is going to. Is he's gonna let the Rams down? I just I I think the Rams when it comes to experience with the quote unquote battery right like the core the coach quarterback combo, I think it's a very significant edge to the Rams. Yeah, I'm gonna go Rams. You like Rams as well? Any specific reason outside of that? Um, the defensive line uh, and just the defense in general. I don't think um, Cincinnati has seen a, a defensive line of this caliber yet, and I, I don't think. Really, there's not. I think many. maybe, maybe I, I think Pittsburgh. Most, yeah, com- I was thinking about comparisons. Pittsburgh would probably be the closest comparison that you could draw, but I mean, that Cincinnati offensive line they can't absorb nine sacks in this game. Like they can't take nine sacks like they did against Tennessee. And Tennessee doesn't have the type of pass rush that LA has. I mean, interior. You got guys coming off the edge. You can blitz guys like Von Miller, and then all the while you have Jalen Ramsey sitting back in coverage. And Darius Williams, who might be the league's best second DB. Yeah, um, yeah I, I agree. Rams, a little bit more, a little bit too talented. So MVPs, I'm going to go Cooper Cup. I, I think you're going to be looking at like a 200-yard performance, probably probably two touchdowns um, from Cooper Cup. I think he's going to thoroughly dominate the game. He's going to be open every single route. And uh, who do you like for your, for your Super Bowl MVP? Guys, it's right there in front of you. It's, it's Matt Stafford. It's Matt Stafford. I mean, it's the story the NFL wants to write. I'm not saying they are, but I'm saying that's what's happening right now. Could you not see that happening? Yeah. Matt Stafford spends his whole career wasting away in Detroit, finally gets it, gets the trade to L.A., and in one year takes his team to the Super Bowl, wins the Super Bowl, uh, Super Bowl MVP. Completely changes right? his legacy, completely transforms it. He's now most likely, maybe not first ballot, but he's most likely a Hall of Famer now. I mean, is that not the best story of the Super Bowl? So I'm going to go Matt Stafford, uh, MVP. I think he has everything he needs to back it up to. I mean, not just because of the story, but he has the weapons to throw to. He has the Cooper Cup. He's got the OBJ. He's got Van Jefferson. He's got two good backs. He's got a good offensive line. He's got a good defense, a good coach. I mean, he's got everything right there for him. It's set up. Yeah, I agree. Okay, let's go with the biggest disappointment. I mentioned this earlier. I think Zach Taylor is going to be the biggest biggest disappointment. He's not actually even a player. Um, it's the head coach for the Cincinnati Bengals. I do worry with the lack of experience. Look, I, I do like Zach Taylor. And Joe Burrow is doing some amazing things. But I think that's kind of why they are where they're at. Um, I don't think at any point in the season have I been like, oh, Zach Taylor's like an absolute genius when it comes to these schemes. Now, I will say it, it has to take some sort of coaching wizardry to win with nine sacks being absorbed. I, I will give you that. But I, I think it's mostly Joe Burrow kind of running this ship, and I'm not sure that that works in a Super Bowl against Sean McVay. No. Like, I'm just not sure you can go in with the second-best head coach and the other roster be that talented, right? It'd be different if they weren't studs on the other side. Like, if they were, like, B-plus team, but a really, really good coach, like a Bill Belichick with Tom Brady. Look, yeah, Brady's always been good, and Belichick's always been really good, but some of those rosters have been, like, pretty, you know, average rosters, right? Yeah, Brady, mediocre teams. Brady was winning throwing to Wes Walker as his number one guy, who nothing against Wes Walker, but he's not a number one receiver. He's a really good slot. Um, and it, he Did he not play lacrosse in college? No, that was Hogan. That was, uh, that was Chris Hogan, yeah. who at one point was Brady's number exactly. one receiver. So it's like, um, that's different. But when your team is this studded like an LA team and you have a coaching advantage I just don't like the look for Zach Taylor I think it's going to be a tough tough day for him your disappointment um I'm going to go Joe Mixon um I just think you know he's been a really big part in these games that not a lot of people have been talking about I think it's because Joe Burrow is just such a like bright shining star on right. that offense that nobody really talks about Joe Mixon he runs hard he gets a lot of really tough yards but against this defense and against this defensive front and this linebacking core, I yeah. see I see him having a really really bad Super Bowl. Um, you know, nothing against him or, or what he's done this season. I, he's had a great season, but at the end of the day, against the Rams, when the uh, when the bright lights come on, I, I don't think Joe Mixon has what it, it takes uh, to get it done it, this week in the Super Bowl. I, I don't. All right, so let's go with the spread. You like Cincinnati to keep it close at. You, so you you take Cincinnati as the dog plus four and a half. Mm-hmm. Although you like LA to win, but Cincinnati to cover why? Um, just because they've shown so much uh, 
resiliency to adversity. Um, ever since Joe Burrow tore his ACL, uh, they have been the underdogs and they've been able to come back and if not win, at least make it close. I don't see this game being any different. Uh, I do see them getting out coached. Uh, I don't see the run game turning up to be much, but I do see Joe Burrow taking control and at least making this game close because I think that's what an MVP caliber player does. And I think Joe Burrow is an MVP caliber player. Yeah, he'd, uh, he'd certainly be up there for my pick for this year's MVP. I'm going to go LA to cover. I just think, I think there's just too much star power over there. I do like Burrow to, to, to keep it close for a while, but I think at the end, LA is going to pull away. I think this is going to be a real close game for the first three quarters. But uh, L.A. has been a really good fourth-quarter team aside from the Tampa Bay game and uh, maybe that Sanford game late in the year. But over the course of the season, um, they have been. So I, I do like L.A. I'll go 34-23, to 23, kind of segueing into what we think the score will be. I'm going to go 34-24. to 24. L.A. will – I'm sorry, 34-23. to 23. L.A. will cover and win by 11. I think they're going to, like I said, kind of – kind of put one on late yeah. to kind of really seal the deal i see it being probably 27 23 la and then they kind of score with one or two minutes left to kind of seal the deal and go up by 11 mm-hmm. i like uh 28 26 uh rams winning um see it being like a field goal or anything dramatic or are you just you like you know? i just think it's gonna be a really really tight game i don't know how it shakes out in the end i don't know what it comes down to in the last couple seconds but i see it being a one two point football game and uh and obviously i think the rams are gonna win this one all right, well, the over-under is 48.5, which seems low to me, but I'm going to go with the over. You at first said under, and then you thought about it. And, and then I made, my the good well, I made my score prediction first, and I was like, yeesh, I'm going to have to take the over now. Right, so I, I'm going to go over as well. I think both these offenses are certainly capable. Now, I do think uh, Cincinnati is going to have some tough time moving the ball in L.A., but I think they're certainly capable of putting up 20, and I do feel like... The Rams are going to put up more than 28, which would get you at least a 48, and they'll probably put up, you know... I, I like Cincinnati to put up 23. It, LA will fill the rest of the way, right? I, th- I think 48.5 yeah. is not – that's not a daunting number. I would go with the over, and if you can actually get 48.5 right now on any betting app, I would do it because I feel like it will probably be bet up um, probably maybe to 51 at some point is where I think it will settle, 50 ha- 50.5, right, somewhere around there. Um, but we'll see. And finally, let's go with our favorite prop bets for the game. You can go ahead and go with yours first. So you have that prop right there. I can't read your handwriting. Yeah, I have terrible handwriting. For I, those I of you who said earlier, we were looking like, at it. Oh, no, no, I remember what it is. Okay, yeah, the Rams. The Rams win the coin toss and win the game. There it is. Yeah, that's it. Um, that's, a, that's a plus 170 odds. So that, that wouldn't be terrible. You could still at least win some decent money. You could double your money almost. Yeah. Um, with it at plus 170. There are there are certainly worse bets on the board. I'll tell you that right now. And I think if uh, come on guys, the Rams. The, are... the, first of all, the toss is complete luck. Yeah, but I, we do toss. you do like the Rams to win, so you might as well just throw a little bit of yeah, luck so on there as well. Basically, what you got is you got a 50-50 shot on the coin toss, or so they say. Yeah, right. Fifty-fifty right. shot on the coin toss, and then I mean I made the prediction. Both of us made so the prediction. So you feel the Rams, it's hundred percent Rams. Hundred percent Rams. So I mean. I don't know how to do the math on that anymore. I've forgotten everything 70, from like 11th grade. Would it be grade? 75%? Would it just um, be the average? But something around that. You'd probably have to weigh the game higher because it's a because it's tougher to win that game. No, you know but that's I mean? 100% that's going to happen because we predicted the Rams. So Right, so I feel like the overall probability of that happening, though, would have to get skewed towards... Oh, towards the 100%. Towards the 100%. So probably like around the, in the I 80s. I don't know. I have no idea. But yeah, so take, anyone, take the Rams to win the toss and win the game. Anyone who's ever done math or stats or anything like that is listening to this like, oh my God, Shoot us get an email. these idiots out of here. Shoot yeah. us an email. Let us know what the real answer was. Yeah, whatever. You're a businessman. You should be ashamed. Uh, I don't have a calculator in front of me. Whatever. All right, and I'm going to go with um, octopus. That there's going to be an octopus. <laughs> <laughs> sounds ridiculous when you it, say it. It absolutely sounds ridiculous. I didn't even know it was a thing until today, and then I was like, oh, that. So I predict that there is going to be an octopus in this game. And you go, <laughs> Luke goes, does that mean there's going to be an octopus? No, it's not. I mean, there's going to be an octopus on the field. By the way, the odds are plus. I, you know, maybe I'll explain it first, then get into the odds. An octopus is when a player. So think about an octopus. Eight tentacles or legs or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, think of Squidward. Actually, he's a squid. Never mind. Don't think of Squidward. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're getting we're getting off we're getting off topic here. Okay, seriously. So an octopus. Eight, right? It's when a 
player scores the touchdown and then scores the ensuing two-point conversion. Todd Gurley is the leader in NFL history with four octopi. That's right. Um, in his career with the Rams, I think there's going to be one. I think Cooper Cup's going to score, and then Cooper Cup is going to get the two-point conversion. Mm. And the odds on that are plus 1,400, so 1,400. So you could make some serious scratch, and Cooper Cup's the go-to at any point in time. So it's not crazy to think that he would score, and then they would go right back to him for the two-point conversion. And they're an aggressive football team, so I think they're going to go for two at some point. That that My guess is Cooper Cup, but this is just anytime octopus. So I can't say that a straight face. So this could be a Cincinnati octopus. This could be an LA. <laughs> could be from Jamar Chase. <laughs> Anybody? All right, we might have to wrap this up. Cragging up. Um, but yeah, anyway, guys, anyway, guys. So an octopus is when a player scores the touchdown and then the ensuing two point conversion. I predict that that's my favorite prop bet, partially because it's hilarious. I mean, that, that's that's so funny. It's good. I didn't even know that was a thing until we started this episode today. Uh, and then. Um, and then your favorite is the Rams winning the toss and the game. Guys, thanks, what, for, thanks for tuning in. What an episode what, it was. What an episode. Troy Leneve, SEC, standout, Vanderbilt, outfielder, bomb hitter, professional bomb hitter. I guess technically amateur because he's in college. Anyway, um, absolute freak. Came on the show. Uh, we were able to pick his brain, talk about Kumar Rocker, Jack Leader, what it was like to be in Omaha. Um, Tim Corbin, who's a surefire Hall of Famer as their head coach. Yeah. A bunch of good stuff we're able to pick his brain about. So go back, listen to that again, um, and then go listen to our other episode before Matt Wood and stay tuned. A lot of great guests. We have Eric Kasparovich on this coming week to talk a little bit of Super Bowl and just a little bit of football in general. Yeah. And uh, and then the following week we'll have Mike Kadick, guard from Indiana football, um, also on the podcast. We really appreciate you guys stopping in. Have a really good sports weekend. Israel Hadasanya and Robbie Whitaker on Saturday. Super Bowl on Sunday. Loaded, loaded sports weekend. So have fun, relax, watch sports, and uh, tune in next week for Eric Kasparovich's take on the Super Bowl and obviously our takes as well. That was the issue. That's the issue. <laughs>